we think it's a, it's a storm approaching, but we read here in the book of Job that often the thunder is the sound of God moving. The lightning and the thunder that we perceive as an approaching storm is often God moving closer to us. So I want to share with you four steps to getting to a place where you can anticipate greatness for 2019. Now, I believe for, for many of you, like for myself, 2018 had, had its uh, ups and downs. Um, it had its uh, storms. And for some of it, we can sit and, and we look back and we realize that actually some of it we, we've caused ourselves. But that said, how many of you know that we serve an amazing God, a God that specializes in doing the impossible, and there's nothing that God cannot do. So in the book of Matthew, we read the account of Jesus walking on water. In Matthew chapter 7 from verse 24, I'm just going to read up until uh, verse 30 should appear there on the screen shortly, but let's read so long. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind has risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. But three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to, the, uh, to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And then we have uh, this same account in the book of John and in the book of Mark. And I'm going to read uh, for you from Mark chapter 6, verse 47 to 48. That says, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on water. Now... I think it's important to, to understand the significance of, of what happened here, that, that I sketch a bit of background. Now, to uh, throw a bit of geography in, the Sea of Galilee, or often referred to as the Sea of Tiberias, is uh, situated in an area called the Jordan Rift Valley. Now, it's surrounded by, by hills and this Sea of Galilee is fed mainly by the Jordan River. And um, it's it said that the lake is about 13 kilometers across and at its deepest, 43 meters deep. 
So we have the, 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 the cold air from the mountains descending on the lake and then the warm, humid air rising. So the clash of that often causes storms on the lake. And then we have the disciples in the boat and we know from historical accounts that many of them or the majority of them were from the area of Galilee. So they were familiar with the weather patterns and, and the storms on the lake. And we know then from scripture that at least four of these disciples were experienced fishermen by trade. And they were the brothers Andrew and Peter and the brothers James and John. So three o'clock in the morning, they were halfway across the, the lake. We read there that they were in the book of Mark that they were halfway across. So that means they had approximately six and a half kilometers still to go in a storm, three o'clock at night, pitch dark. So they had to get to a place where they recognized that they are in trouble. You know, that, that awkward feeling or that uncomfortable feeling when you realize that, that the pawpaw has hit the fan and the pieces are flying. There's, there's nothing you can do. So they had to take stock of their situation. What, what's the way out? So that said, it's, it's interesting to see that they did not recognize Jesus in the storm. They, they thought it was a ghost. So why did they not recognize Jesus in the storm? And the thing is, they didn't recognize Jesus because they weren't looking for Jesus in the storm. Now, all too often, when we are caught in a storm, we, uh, we, we take stock of our situation. We, we take stock of our resources, of our time, of our finances, and, and our relationships, who do we know? Who's the go-to guy or woman that can get us out of this? Who can I call to pull some strings? So in, instead of taking account of where we are with Jesus, we run to our own abilities first. So why do we run to our own abilities first, instead of first to Jesus. We need to understand that in the storm, they had in the boat some of the best sailors in the area, in the boat, these uh, 12 disciples. So they, they had the experienced guys with them. They had the guys with them that knew how to get them out of trouble. Yet they couldn't get out of trouble. They were stuck in the storm. And these same 12 men, we, we read that just a few hours ago, they've seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And, and previously, they were also in a storm. They had Jesus in the boat they woke him, woke him and, he, and he silenced the storm. So why were they filled with fear? 
It's a Craig Rochelle that said, fear is a choice, but so is faith. And then we read in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And then Owen McManus said that God meets us in our fear. Now, it's only natural for many of us that when we are faced with a specific problem or, or we find ourselves in a specific kind of trouble, that, that, that we become terrified, that, that we find ourselves filled with fear. And here's the amazing thing. God meets us in our fear, and he walks us right out of it when we surrender to him. You see, our greatness lies on the other side of our fear. Fear limits us, but with God, the possibilities are endless. There's this old acronym for fear that says fear stands for false evidence appearing real. So the disciples were, were terrified. They allowed the reality of the storm to consume them with fear. They looked at their own abilities instead of looking at Jesus. So what are you looking at today? Peter sank when he looked at the storm instead of at Jesus. But when he looked at Jesus, he was able to walk on water. And then we, we read in, in John 5, chapter 1 to 15, the account of the lame man at, at the pool of Bethesda. And as Jesus approached this man, he, he asked, do you want to be healed? And you would expect this guy to say yes or no. But he responds with, there's no one to put me in the pool. So he had a preconceived idea of how we would or could be healed. And we read then a few lines further that Jesus simply tells him to pick up his mat and walk. So, so often we want to prescribe to God how to solve the problem. We want to tell him how to get us out of trouble. And the scary thing is it spills over into our prayer life. We, we, we find ourselves in our prayers listing the people who God must use to get us out of the, out of the trouble. We pray our heart over the matter instead of God's heart over the matter. You see, when our focus is wrong, we become desperate. And it is a, I think it's a Russian guy, Vlad Savchuk, funny surname. Um, he said, desperation is dangerous. It makes you impatient. When we are desperate, we can't differentiate between God's supply and Satan's bait. Instead, we should have a hunger for the Holy Spirit. 
hunger for the Holy Spirit will numb our desperation. When we become hungry for the Holy Spirit, our focus is on God. We don't see obstacles but stepping stones. Our troubles become opportunities and we see the victory we have in Christ. When we turn this fear-based desperation into a desperation for God, it becomes a God-centered inspiration. We read in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 21, that the disciples were eager or they were desperate to have Jesus in their boat. Do we have the same desperation for Jesus that we have for food and for sleep? We read in Matthew 14, verse 30 to 31, But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was, uh, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You see, Peter called out to Jesus when he was sinking, and Jesus saved him. We don't read that Jesus responded with, no, I can't, or no, I am too far away. We realized, or we, we read there that, that God immediately, Jesus immediately reached out. Now, I don't think we always realize the grace God has. And we should know that God takes interest in our hopes, dreams, and our troubles. God desires to pull out of us what is already there, and that's the very best of you. Isn't it amazing how God always gives his best to us, his very best. He knew Peter's potential. Now, I think it's important to give a, a bit of perspective to this miracle. You see, we read that Jesus was walking on the water towards them. So it means he was not standing next to the boat. There was some distance to be covered. And we read that Peter asked Jesus to tell him to get out and walk. So there was distance to cover. So when Peter shout, shouted out to, to Jesus to save him, we don't read that, and then Jesus started to walk towards Peter, or then Jesus started to run towards Peter. No, we read immediately, instantly, Jesus reached out and rescued him. So isn't it wonderful then to know that God is never far away in the storm. He's right there with us when we call out to him, instead of relying on our own abilities. You see, there is safety in Christ. We read in John chapter 6 verse 21, Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Now, once again, folks, it's important to, 
to just sketch what happened here. We read that they were in the middle of the lake, pitch dark. They had at least six and a half kilometers still to go. Yet, miraculously, when Jesus stepped into the boat, they instantly arrived on the other side and they were out of the storm. We underestimate what God can do for us in the storm. When faith steps in, fear leaves the boat. You can't have both. In his hand, when we move in his will, there is safety. And we read in John 10 verse 28 that no one can snatch us from his hand. When we give thanks to God, when we praise him, I believe we'll see God do great things, not only in us and with us, but through us as well. So we see then that after the disciples recognized that it's Jesus in the storm, when they recognized Jesus in the storm, they realized there's hope. Now it's easy to be a beacon of hope when it's all going well, but may we be challenged today to be beacons of hope in the storms of our lives. May others look at us in the storms of our lives and still see the love, the hope, and the grace of God. May others look at you in the storm of your life and still see something in you that stirs within them a desperation to follow Jesus, a desperation to get to know the God you serve. Now, I cannot be a beacon of hope if I don't see God in my future. And I cannot see God in my future unless I trust him. He's bigger than anything you might face, or maybe that you are facing right now. It's not a case of ignoring reality. Thank you, Ellie. <laughs> Praise God for wonderful children. You see, it's, it's not a case of ignoring reality, but realizing that I serve a God that can silence any storm. I don't know what the future holds for you and for me. I don't know what 2019 is going to look like, how it's going to play out. But I know the one who holds the future. You see, folks, we need to realize that our lives are in God's hands and that we should trust him with it. Take courage, have bold, steadfast, and growing faith. Where there's trust in God, there's victory.
we can move in victory when our trust is grounded in God. As long as Peter focused on the storm and the realities around him, he sank. But when he trusted in God and kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on water, to move in victory. Now, like Peter walking on water, God has raised you to walk on the stuff that has previously caused you to sink. I'll repeat that. God has raised you to walk on the stuff that has previously caused you to sink. There's absolutely no reason why 2019 cannot be a walk of victory. God has raised you to be victors in 2019. Let us put the storms of 2018 behind us and look forward to 2019 with joy as victors in Christ. Entering the new year, waiting on our Heavenly Father, for in Him there is rest and victory. And we read that in Isaiah 40 verse 31. May we step out of 2018 tomorrow and into 2019, giving God our five loaves and two fish and watch what he does with it. We serve an amazing God. See, we read in Romans 12 verse 2 to change the way we think. Don't go into the new year with an old mentality. The new year is full of opportunity. God has laid opportunity before each and every one of us for 2019. Will you join me in 2019 with a new mentality? Mentality that's been made new and refreshed by God through his Holy Spirit. And as we read in Matthew 6.33, let us put God first. Let us put him first in what we think, do, and say. Now, on that note of putting God first, I believe that daily reading of the Word of God is vital. And modern technology has, has given us uh, these things called, uh, called apps. And there's a wonderful free app that you can find in your app store that um, it's called the YouVersion Bible app. Now, some of you might know it, and for those who don't, if you find it challenging to make the daily reading of the Word a vital part of your day, then this is the ideal tool to help you get into a habit of reading God's Word every day. And we've put up there the, uh, the scripture that the app has given for today. I'm going to read from the screen 
all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Now, even if you just want to get started with a Bible reading program, this is the, this is the app to get. So start the new year with prayer and spending time in God's Word. Now, I want to close off with a statement by uh, Francis Chan that says, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at the things in life that don't really matter. You see, if we chase after the things in life that don't really matter, then it means we will face the storms hanging on to those meaningless things. We will face the storms with things that carry no substance, and our only success in the storm will be sinking. Chasing after meaningless things, succeeding in the things in life that don't really matter, will lead us to succeed in sinking. When we chase after the things in life that don't really matter, then we won't see Jesus in the storm. If I chase after the things in life that don't really matter, I won't get to a point where I'm eager to have Jesus in my boat. Hanging on to these meaningless things will mean that I won't have the divine hope that God gives. And it means that I won't be able to move in victory. But when I start chasing after the things in life that matter, when I chase after the things in life that, as Matthew 6.33 says, where I put God first, then all of a sudden I can face the storm with certainty. And when I chase after the things in life that really matter, if I put God first, then I'll get to a place where I will invite Jesus into my boat. And he will be in my boat daily. He will be central to my life. And then in those moments when the storms hit, when the pieces are flying, when everyone says there's no hope, when everyone around me is overflowing with negativity for what happens at the office or in the country, then I will have the hope that will sustain me in the storms of life. And the overflow of this will mean that I will be able to move in victory. See, guys, when, when we put God first, we can anticipate greatness for 2019. When I put God first, 
I will be able to face the storm with certainty and with confidence. When I put God first, I will invite Jesus into my boat every day. And when I put him first, I will have the, the divine hope that only God can give. And I will move in victory like no one else around me. So, guys, if anything you've heard this morning has really landed in in your hearts, and if if maybe there's uh, there's anything you would like someone to pray over uh, with you, and um, or if maybe you just feel you need some prayer for whatever lies ahead, or for whatever storm you might find yourself in today. I want to invite you to come forward after the service and then uh, Ramon, myself, Max, uh, Andre, Mark, uh, uh, Maynard, we're all here and we'll be happy to invest some time with you. So folks, will you join me in, in standing as we close the last Sunday of this year in prayer. Father God, we give you all the glory and all the praise, Lord. Thank you that we have the privilege of spending the last Sunday of this year with our brothers and sisters in Christ as family in your kingdom. Thank you that we can stand before you today, Lord, ready for 2019, filled with joy as victors in Christ. Lord, I pray that as each of us go our separate ways, that you'll take us home safely, Lord, and that you will encamp your angels around each and every person here today, Lord and that we will see every person that's here today for the first Sunday in 2019. And we pray for this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, guys.